Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and welcome to Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfeld. We're continuing our series today, Confident Faith. So turning your Bibles to Genesis chapter 24, verses 15 to 66, as we continue our message, Finding and Living in Love, part two. There's a story that's sometimes recounted about Amy Carmichael. Now, if you don't know who she was, Amy Carmichael was a missionary in India for 55 years. She opened an orphanage. She saved many girls who were given to the temple to serve as prostitutes. She saved many lives. Her her work was nothing short of heroic, but she wasn't perfect. You know, in my estimation, she had an over-reliance on an immediate revelation from God. On one occasion, she was told that one of the vehicles being used in the ministry needed to be replaced, and she said she'd have to pray about that. And then she came back and said the Lord had told her not to replace the vehicle. And the next day, the vehicle suffered a very bad mishap because of the very thing the mechanic had warned about. You know, sometimes you should just listen to your mechanic. I share that story simply because there has been a great deal of confusion about how to find God's will for our lives. And this is especially the case for those who are young. I mean, what career shall I choose? And where shall I live? And who shall I marry? And sometimes we wait for a sign from heaven. So how do we discern the will of God? What's God's will for your life? Well, let's listen to the Bible. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So we discern the will of God by not conforming to the world and by renewing our mind. Or listen to 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. See, that? that's God's will for you. No point in asking what your career choice should be if you ignore this. Or listen to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See what the will of God is? That you live the way he commands you to live. That you live by faith and keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Then marry someone, anyone, who wants God's will for their life, and you're going to be just fine. It was Augustine who said, love the Lord with all your heart and soul and then do whatever you want. That's in your job, in your marriage, in anything. Now, we've been studying Genesis 24. This is a remarkable chapter of Abraham sending out his servant to go, as the text says, to the country of his kindred to go get a wife for his son Isaac. And I've said that this passage presents us with a biblical template as to what to look for in a spouse or to find God's will for your life in a spouse. So when we last left off, we found Abraham's servant having prayed to God that when he waters his camels, let the woman who says to me, drink some water and let me water your camels, let her be the one. And I made the point there that this sounds very much like waiting for a direct sign from heaven as to what is the will of God. And that seems to contradict what I've just said. So what should we take from this passage? And I'm going to say that this is not a passage about using a fleece prayer for a right partner. Well, if that's true, what then is this passage about? I think the enduring concept here is that Abraham's servant was in prayer as to who the right partner was for Isaac. Prayer is always essential in discerning the will of God. 
Now I'm reading Genesis 24, verses 15 to 21. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who is born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. The young woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden whom no man had known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. Then the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. And she said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her hand and gave him a drink. When she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew it for all his camels. The man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. Now, did you notice that after the servant prayed for a sign and after Rebekah had done everything that he had prayed for, did you notice verse 21? Abraham's servant is trying to learn if it's the right woman. In other words, he doesn't see the sign fulfilled as the only thing he's looking for to discern the will of God. Notice what he sees in Rebecca. He sees three things. First, the text says he saw her beauty. She's gorgeous. In other words, he knew she would be attractive to Isaac. Look, this is obvious. Rarely will a person marry someone they're not physically attracted to. And since I've been talking about finding God's mate, if you're looking to get married, you know, make yourself attractive. Don't walk around with flies buzzing around your head because you don't take care of yourself. But, and this is vital. The servant sees far more than the attractiveness in Rebecca. He also sees her purity. I can't begin to stress the importance of a person's sexual conduct. Now, before I go any further, let me add a note of grace. There are all manner of persons who have lost their virginity and have mourned over that and have repented. They've cleansed themselves through the blood of Christ. They've walked after him. They're healed from their waywardness. Don't you ever throw rocks at them or call unholy whom God has called holy. God can restore, and I believe that. But, and this is key, don't ever get involved with someone who can't control their sexual urges. I remember years ago having a young man tell me that he had been cheating on his fiance. And now he asked me what he should do. And I said, well, you got to tell her. And he said, she'll leave me. And I said, well, that would be wise. Hear me, never get involved with someone who's not chaste. That's God's will for you. Now then, the servant also notices her nobility of character. Notice that Rebecca took the initiative and hauled water for the servant's camels. Now, since I know nothing about camels, I looked up some details about them. If they've not drunk for a couple of days, as would have been the case here, I think, a camel will drink about 25 gallons of water. Now, in that day, a woman would draw water with a three-gallon jug. Now, we know the servant had 10 camels, and so we know that it would have taken the better part of the day for Rebecca to be this man's servant. You know, if you're looking for a spouse, look for someone who serves others. Are they active in ministry in your church? Do they have a ministry? Are they giving themselves for others and for the grace of God? A faithful minister of Christ makes a fabulous marriage partner. A person given to idleness who is effectively lazy is a bad marriage partner. And then be prepared to recognize the providence of God. So let's go on reading Genesis 24, verses 22 to 28. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing half a shekel, 
two bracelets for her arms weighing 10 gold shekels and said, please tell me whose daughter are you? Is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? She said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, the son of Milcah, whom she bore to Nahor. She added, we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsmen. Then the young woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. I noticed that a fleece is not enough. Abraham had sent his servant to find a wife among his kinsmen. Those were the instructions. And so the servant didn't just go to the well. A woman showed up. He prayed for a sign. He got the sign he wanted, and he said, ah, that's got to be the will of God. Remember, he's following Abraham's instructions. He knows where to look. As a point of application, I would say, if you're unmarried and looking for a spouse, you also know where to look. Only look among the people of God, among fellow believers who trust Christ alone unto salvation, who are committed to the authority of Scripture, and who are faithful to the gospel. But within that, look also for God's providential hand. Has it seemed to you that God was involved in directing the relationship that is developing, or is this contrary to the good designs of our Savior? I hope you see that the important part of all of this is not the sign, but the wisdom that this servant has as a man of faith who understands the mind of God and who is acting in faithfulness to the wishes of his master, Abraham. That's because although God can, for his own sovereign purposes, put a sign in the sky directing us as to what he wants us to do, whether in choosing a career or in buying a home or in moving or finding a spouse. God's common way of acting in these circumstances is by providing for us the wisdom that we require. When the renewed heart desires the things of God, God's word for us is to do as you please. He's been training us in the path of wisdom to be pleased in the things of God. Truth in Life Today is Back to the Bible Canada's video Bible engagement program that speaks into the culture, current issues, questions of life and faith, and offers a biblical perspective. Recently, we've discussed topics like health, biblical worship with guest Shane Weeb, issues of suffering and natural disasters, to name just a few. And in the days ahead, you'll watch as we consider the legalization of marijuana, the Christian in politics with guest and member of parliament, Ed Fast, and the very current issue of religious freedom with Earl Phillips, executive director of Trinity Western University's proposed law school, and much more. So join us for Truth and Life today, every Monday online on Facebook, YouTube, the Back to the Bible Canada mobile app, and more. And discover the many back programs online as well. For more information or to support programs like Truth and Life Today, call us at 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca. I'm reading Genesis 24, verses 29 to 33. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban. Laban ran out toward the man to the spring. 
As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of Rebekah, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come in, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for the camels. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels, and there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat. But he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, Speak on. You know, the giving of gifts, even quite expensive ones, is a common Near Eastern practice. But in this case, the reaction to the gifts provide a very interesting insight into all the people involved. You know, later on, when Rebecca would have her own son, Jacob, Jacob would have quite the business dealings with Laban. We're going to later see Laban as a man consumed with money. So compare the reaction of Rebecca to her brother Laban. Rebecca is overwhelmed at the coming of the servant and what that implied. Her brother Laban, he's overwhelmed with the money. Clearly, this servant is rich, he says, and Laban wants more of him. But at the same time, Laban recognizes something he's going to speak about later. He sees Abraham's servant as blessed of the Lord. And as is the case later, the only way Laban is recognizing that blessing is in relationship to money. That's that's his character. So hear me. It's vain to say that money is not an issue in marriage, for it is. And I, for one, wanted my kids to have a career before they got married, not because I think the world of money, but because I know how money can create strains in a marriage. So let's continue to read verses 34 to 41. So he said, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He has given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. My master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose land I dwell, but you shall go to my father's house and to my clan and take a wife for my son. I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I have walked will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son from my clan and from my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. And if they will not give her to you, you shall be free from my oath. Now, I know that by now, most Westerners listening to this account, well, we're on foreign territory. For many, what we've just read seems inconceivable. I mean, if God has given a sign And if all other spiritual matters are lining up, what else is there to do? But here we find Abraham's servant seeking the blessing of Rebekah's family, a family that's hardly an example of spiritual insight. I may think that wealth is spirituality, and as we learn later in the book of Genesis, they're an idolatrous family. They're greedy, and they lie a lot. But marriage doesn't exist in a vacuum. You ignore each other's family to your own peril. I mean, one of the best things that happened to Rebecca is when her family blessed her. I know couples whose marriage is what I call a rebellion marriage, meaning we're going to show them. But ultimately, that rebellion comes at a high price. You know, I remember asking Kathy's dad for her hand in marriage. It actually took him a whole day before he came up with an answer. And when I look back at that, I think, well, you know, he might have been a wise man. 
So let's continue to read verses 42 to 49. I came today to the spring and said, O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring of water. Let the virgin who comes out to draw water to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and who shall say to me, drink, and I will draw water for your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. Before I had finished speaking in my heart, behold, Rebekah came out with her water jar on her shoulder, and she went down to the spring and drew water. I said to her, Please let me drink. She quickly let down her jar from her shoulder and said, Drink, and I will give your camels drink also. So I drank, and she gave the camels drink also. Then I asked her, Whose daughter are you? And she said, The daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Milcah bore to him. So I put the ring on her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now then, if you are going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me that I may turn to the right hand or to the left. Now, this passage gives us our first insight into Laban, who is Rebekah's brother. He's a manipulator. At first, he says Rebecca can go. And then he says she should stay for a number of days. Bruce Waltke, the great Old Testament scholar, says that in that culture, a couple of days can actually mean 20 years. In other words, Laban is saying, I'll keep the money and I'll keep Rebecca. Thank you very much. But the servant persists. And finally, the family asks Rebecca. She says she wants to go. For her, marriage to Isaac means leaving her family. I think that's what marriage always means. It means leaving our family for another one. And Jesus put it this way, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. So let me give everyone here a bit of counsel. Husbands and wives, your wife or your husband ought to be more precious to you than your mother or father. Don't ever go home to mom and dad complaining about your spouse. Let me give a bit of counsel to moms and dads. Let your married children leave you. Don't interfere. Your role is not to correct them, but to bless them. Stop fighting with your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law. Only offer counsel if asked. Keep praying for them. And to the couple, always count your husband or your wife a closer person than your father or your mother. Let your parents know, in love, of course, that if you have to make a choice between parents or spouse, your spouse is always going to win. If any marriage is to be sustained and healthy, the husband and wife must have left father and mother. See, I know that in some cultures, married children keep living with their parents' family, but if that's so, make sure that you find a way to build separation. God's plan is for you to leave your parents and cling to your spouse, and Rebecca models that for us by telling her brother that she is prepared to leave. So now, Genesis 24, 50 to 60. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, The thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you, bad or good. Behold, Rebecca is before you. Take her and go, and let her be the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has spoken. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry of silver and of gold and garments and gave them to Rebekah. 
He also gave to her brother and to her mother costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night there. When they arose in the morning, he said, Send me away to my master. Her brother and her mother said, Let the young woman remain with us a while, at least ten days. After that she may go. But he said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. And they said, Let us call the young woman and ask her. And they called Rebekah and said to her, Will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. So they sent away Rebekah, their sister, and her nurse, and Abraham's servant with his men. And they blessed Rebekah and said to her, Our sister, may you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gates of those who hate them. You know, one of the things that interests me most about this passage is that for Rebekah to become Isaac's wife required in her the same faith that was originally asked for in Abraham and Sarah. She, like Abraham, was called to leave her country, her people, her father's household, and go to the land of promise. She, like Abraham and Sarah, would follow the fertile crescent down into Canaan, and there would become a wanderer without land, owning only a great promise that God would bless the world through her. Rebekah's decision was a decision to follow the God of Abraham. Husbands and wives, if your marriage is going to make it, you want a healthy marriage, then say to the Lord, this marriage depends on faith, on my and my wife or my and my husband being willing to abandon all that we love for the sake of the God of Abraham. May that be your commitment together. I promise you a lifetime of love. John, how does this passage speak to uh, having a spouse and leaving your mother and father and beginning a new family? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I mean, this obviously reflects the words of Jesus, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And Ben, you and I have been in pastoral ministry now for so long, and I think we have so many stories we can both tell. But I think one of the stories that I have that, you know, I can tell over and over and over again is of a couple that fails to make their marriage the first relationship and continues to have the first relationship being the relationship with father and mother. And because of that, they're ruining their own marriage. And so, you know, moms and dads, you want to butt out and allow your kids to be the primary unit. And, uh, and for you, if you're married, uh, make sure that you cling to your wife. Thanks so much, John. Remember to join us again tomorrow right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. As we begin 2018, we want to thank all of those who support the ministries of Back to the Bible Canada as a partner to tell monthly partner. Your regular commitment allows for the essentials of ministry to take place, and we're so grateful. 2018 begins a celebration of our 60th anniversary of ministry in Canada, and the giving of every partner has made this milestone possible. Perhaps you've never given, or, or maybe two or three times a year. Maybe this is the year you become a partner to tell monthly partner. Our commitment will be to continue to provide the Bible teaching you expect, but more. More programs, reaching more people, using more mediums than ever before, while remaining faithful to the mission and legacy established 60 years ago by our founder, Theodore Epp. 
Become our next Partner to Tell monthly partner today. Call 1-800-663-2425 or visit backtothebible.ca.